The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So some of you know that I made a personal resolution to read a number or two from the Catechism of the Catholic Church when I preach on weekends. And so I thought I would read what the Catechism has to say here about Pentecost. Number 731. On the day of Pentecost, when the seven weeks of Easter had come to an end, Christ's Passover is fulfilled in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, manifested, given, and communicated as a divine person. Of his fullness, Christ the Lord pours out the Spirit in abundance. And 732. On that day, the Holy Trinity is fully revealed. Since that day, the kingdom announced by Christ has been opened to those who believe in him. In the humility of the flesh and in faith, they already share in the communion of the Holy Trinity. By his coming, which never ceases, the Holy Spirit causes the world to enter into the last days, in quotes, the time of the church, the kingdom already inherited, though not yet consummated. And the quote here from uh, the Byzantine liturgy says, We have seen the true light. We have received the heavenly spirit. We have found the true faith. We adore the invisible trinity who has saved us. So, Pentecost. You could also say it's the birthday of the church. Because it's the first day when the apostles went out in the power of the Holy Spirit, you might say fully armed with the Holy Spirit, to proclaim that Christ had died and was risen and has ascended to the Father and poured out his Spirit for us to fully participate, in a sense, in their life, in their divine life, sharing even in their power, sharing in their gifts. So they went out for the first time and preached with great boldness as Christ had commanded them to do. As he ascended into heaven, which we celebrated last weekend, he told them, he gave them this this great commission to go out and to preach the gospel to every creature and to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the church herself has been praying for a new Pentecost in a very particular way ever since the Second Vatican Council. 
I recently re-watched a video that outlines the history of the Catholic charismatic re, uh, revival or, or renewal. And it said that John the 23rd, now Saint Pope Saint John the 23rd, when he convoked the Second Vatican Council, prayed for a new Pentecost. And Pope St. John Paul II echoed that prayer. And he would pray for a, a new springtime of evangelization. And I would say Pope Benedict and Pope Francis have also echoed that prayer in their own way. So what does that mean? That's something that I'd like to just highlight for you today a little bit. What does it mean that the church, the popes, would be praying for a new Pentecost? Well, I think they recognize, the church has recognized, these popes have recognized that the world, and not just the church, but the world could use a new infusion of the Holy Spirit. And I think we recognize that ourselves, especially those of you who are here at church. There's a sense that the world has lost its way a little bit and that there's a lot of confusion out there about who we are, about who God is, about the meaning and the purpose of life. And so the church needs a new infusion of the Holy Spirit so that it can carry out a new evangelization. Some people have said that we live in a post-Christian era, at least popular culture, is now in a sense post-Christian. So that's a sad state of affairs, but we're not without hope. We're not without hope, that's for sure. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. So in a sense, we are desperate for the Holy Spirit, but I think we should pray with great expectation, meaning that God wants to give it. It's not that God doesn't want to pour out the Holy Spirit in a new way. He does. But he's also looking to us to come into agreement with that, you might say, that to share in his, I wouldn't say desperation, but in his longing for the Spirit to be poured out. Jesus himself said while he was carrying out his public ministry, I came to cast fire to the earth and how I wish it, will, it were already blazing. So what kind of fire? What kind of fire do you think Jesus was talking about? When Jesus said, I came to cast fire to the earth, was he talking about a campfire? Probably not. I know, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> but this is a good question to ask. So what kind of fire was he talking about? The fire of his what? Starts with an L. L-O-V-E. What's that spell? Love. Love, right? He was talking about the fire of his love, which is the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm wearing red today, by the way. The, the color for today's liturgy is red because it's symbolic of the fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God's love, which he longs to pour out. And today still, the Father and the Son from heaven, they long 
They desire to pour out the Holy Spirit on all of us in a new way. Because this was not just for 2,000 years ago. Although that was really important and, and absolutely necessary. It's just as important today. And I think if we can uh, interpret the, the minds and the hearts of the popes, it's equally as necessary today as it was 2,000 years ago. So that we can carry out this new evangelization. So that we can make the kingdom of God present with real power, with divine power. Because we talk about the Spirit as being the promise of the Father, but also the power of God. Something I've learned to appreciate more in the last couple of years is that when Jesus proclaimed the message of the gospel, he, it was accompanied with a demonstration of power. And that's where the gifts come in. Our second reading today was so beautiful. Let's just highlight it real quick. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12. Brothers and sisters, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So it's the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that even allows us to say Jesus is Lord with faith, with faith, with faith with trust, with confidence. And then Paul goes on to say, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. Raise your hand if everyone includes you. Yes, raise your hand. Everyone, <laughs> everyone, raise your hand. So the Holy Spirit is at work in all of you in different ways. In me through preaching today. In Kathy through her singing and praise and worship. Right? In, in some of you here with hospitality as ushers and so on, right? Lots of different gifts. Lots of different gifts. But for the sake of us all for the sake of the body, the body of Christ, that is us, the body of Christ, the church. So we all have something to contribute. That's the point I want to make here. We all have been given something by God for the sake of the church. So don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself short. By virtue of your baptism and confirmation, you necessarily have received gifts from God. Can you receive more gifts? Uh-huh, you can. The good news is that there's always more. That's another thing I've appreciated much more in these last couple of years. There's always more. I've been encouraged to ask for more gifts. And I think I've been given them. But there's more for all of you. There's more for all of you. All you have to do is ask. You have to desire it and ask for it and then be willing to put it into action. 
And guess what? That's what God is looking to do. Because he wants to live his life with us and in us. Amen? But guess what? He also wants to live it through us. Amen? So that means that his divine power is not only going to be operating in you to help you live a life of grace and virtue, but it's going to be active and at work through you to bless others. You know, there's the expression, right? Give them hell, right? Well, when we leave our house, you know, I live with six other priests. So when we leave our house, we say, give them heaven. (laughs) Give them heaven. And that's what we should all be saying to each other when we walk out these doors. Give them heaven. I'm going to say that to you today as you leave the church. As I say goodbye to you, I'm saying, give them heaven. Because that's what we're all called to do. Give them heaven. Each and every one of us baptized Christians has that authority in a sense. In the name of Jesus, we can give them heaven. We can give them heaven. And we should. That's our divine calling, you might say, is to give them heaven. So let's pray for that today. I, I invite all of you to pray for, for these gifts, to, to know what your gifts are. And if they've become a little dusty, you know, right? Blow them off, right? Clean them up. You can pray that they become activated. That they go from being in potential to activated. Stirred up, fanned into flame, as Paul would say to Timothy. Fan these gifts into flame that you've received. So if it's become kind of a, you know, a little... A little flame, a little flickering thing. Well, just ask God to fan it into flame, right? So that it become a roaring fire. Amen.